This Mishnah continues the discussion of the extensions of food, the secondary parts of food, and whether the truma status of the food covers these parts of the food as well, or whether these parts cannot become truma. So we've already discussed the liquid form of a fruit, the stems of a fruit, and now we're going to discuss garine truma, the seeds of a fruit of truma. Now if the seeds are not edible, let's say they're very hard, then everybody agrees, no question about it, they cannot gain truma status because they are not edible, they're not considered food in any shape or form. The seeds under discussion are those which are slightly edible, they're not generally eaten, but sometimes people would eat them. And they are edible, and in fact they don't necessarily need to be edible as long as they're chewed, if let's say they're moist, so people would chew those seeds, or suck them, then they would also come under this category. And whether we consider them food properly or not, depends on how a person treats them. So there's in a situation in which the Kohen brings them in, which means that he doesn't just chuck them away as soon as he's eaten the fruit, but he keeps them, he might suck it, or he might keep it to eat at a later date. So he has shown that he considers this to be food, just like the rest of the fruit, and therefore as surahs, they are forbidden for Zorim to consume just like the regular fruit, just like the trimmer itself, because this is also considered trimmer. However, if the coin chucks them away, then he's shown that he does not consider them food, and therefore with Taurus, they are permitted for Zarim. Continues the Mishnah, the same applies for bones of carbonis. When a carbon is bought, it can only be eaten for a certain amount of days, either one day or two days, and once that time period has passed, any leftover meat of that carbon becomes nasar, leftover carbon meat, and it has to be burnt. Now there are certain bones in an animal's body which can be eaten. If somebody bought a carbon, they would usually just eat the meat, but they could eat the bones as well. The question is, do these bones also become nasar or not? So the answer is, again, it depends on how they are treated. If the person who is eating the korban brings them in, meaning he's treating them and keeping them to eat just like the rest of the meat, so then he's showing that he views the bones as part of the meat, part of the animal, and therefore they are considered properly part of the korban, so they would become nicer. But if he chucked them to the side and showed that he was not going to eat them, so then once that time period has passed, the bone does not become nicer, because it's not really considered food anymore. Which ironically means that you would be able to eat it, because it will not be considered nicer, so it won't need to be burnt. Now the last part of the Mishnah discusses bran, which is usually considered a waste product of wheat, it's the outer part of a kernel of wheat, which is usually just chucked away because it is not really designated for human consumption. And because of that, bran does not gain trimmer status, and because of that, Hamrusan Mutter, Mursan refers to more thick and coarse bran, and that is permitted for non-Karnim to eat, because it does not gain trimmer status. Now Subin is the name for bran which is more fine, and that is still also considered to be a waste part of the food, of the wheat for example, however there's an exception which we're about to see, and that is Subin shal chadoshois bran, which was separated from new grain. New grain is considered new if it was at least 30, if it was maximum 30 days old, and if bran is separated from grain which is only 30 days old, or less than 30 days old, then it doesn't separate so well, because new grain still has moisture attached to it, and because of that, there'll, there'll be flour which is not the waste part of the food, there'll be flour which is attached to the bran. So there'll be flour which is trimmer, attached to bran which is not trimmer, which of course will not be able to be eaten by Zorim, since the flour is attached to it. So therefore, bran which comes from grain, which is new, and therefore the flour attaches itself to the bran, is forbidden for non-karnim. 
But Rishonis, if it was older, then the flower would not stick to it, so it would just be the bran, which is not considered trimmer, and therefore Motoris, it is permitted for non-Karnim to consume. Now, having said all that, the mission tells us that although bran, which is separated from new grain, has trimmer flower attached to it, and therefore it is all forbidden for Zorim, the mission tells us that Venoig ba trimmer kder shunoig vacholin. He is allowed to treat trimmer in exactly the same way as he would treat trulin. So whatever he would usually waste when he's eating chulin and chuck away, he can chuck away that when eating truma. So for example, if in general when eating chulin he would chuck away the bran, even if it had some flour attached to it. So to in our case, you're allowed to chuck away that bran, even though it's got truma flour attached to it. Now if a Zor, like we said before, if a Zor were to eat that, he would be chayev. But you're allowed to chuck it away because you're allowed to treat it in the same way as you treat chulin. And this rule will really take us through the next few Mishnayis, including the end of this one, because the Mishnah tells us that One who sifts a se'or of flour such that he is left with one kav or two kav of flour. There are six kav in a se'or, and if he sifted the flour lots and lots of times, then he'd be left with very fine flour, but much less in terms of volume than he started with. But if that's the case, that means let's say there's one kav of very fine flour, and five kav of coarse thick flour. So it may be true that the five kav of coarse flour has lots of bran mixed into it, and lots of the worst parts of the wheat, but it's still got a lot of flour in there. And so it has the status of truma, so in this case you're not allowed to chuck it away. It's not like the previous case where there's just some flour stuck to the bran. Here this is considered flour, it's just got some bran in the flour. And because, and because of that the mission tells us, he can't just destroy and get rid of the rest of it, meaning those five kav of coarse flour, rather he should place it in a hidden place if he does not want to eat it. He needs to keep it, and then it will decay by itself, but he is not allowed to destroy it himself. Mission above. A storehouse of grain from which trimmer wheat was emptied out of and removed. And after he removed the trimmer from there, he wants to put in regular chulin produce into that storehouse. Says the Mishnah, We don't obligate him to sit there and gather every single last stalk of trimmer wheat so that he doesn't leave behind any trimmer. Rather, like we learned in the previous Mishnah, he only needs to clean it out according to the regular way that he would do if he was clearing out chulin, let's say. And then straight after that, he can put chulin in there as usual, even if there are a few stalks of trimmer left on the ground, because since in general he wouldn't be particular about that, the same applies in our case of trimmer. Mishnah Zayin, a very similar case, the same applies to a barrel or a jug of oil which spills. So if that oil was trimmer, we don't obligate him to sit there and soak up all the oil, or gathering it up with his hands. If he would not regularly do that, we don't obligate him to do more in the case of trimmer. Rather, he only needs to treat it in the same way as he would treat chulin. So if there's large puddles of oil, so of course he would gather those into a vessel or something. But he does not need to make sure that every last drop of oil is taken back into a container or something if he would not regularly do that with chulin oil. And the main logic behind this is that it's not considered wasting the trimmer if you're treating it in the same way as you would treat normal produce. It's only considered wasting if you're chucking away things which you would usually keep. But if anyway, if it was chulin, you would get rid of it, so the same would apply to the trimmer because it is not considered wasting the trimmer. Mishnachess, another example of this concept. The one who pours trimmer wine or trimmer oil from the jug that it is in into another jug, and then you want to use the original jug to put chulin oil in there. 
Do you need to make sure that every single last drop of trimmer oil has left the jug? No, says the mission of an Edith tip in. As soon as three drops have dropped, so that means that after you pour the oil out and it all flows out, then it starts dripping because there's not a lot of oil left. So it doesn't all flow out, but it drips. So once it's reached that stage of dripping and three drops of oil drop at that stage, any oil left in the original jug is considered too small to be significant. And therefore, from that point on, you are allowed to add chulin into that jug. And of course, there'll be way more chulin than a tiny bit of trimmer there. So the trimmer will be nullified. And so all of that oil will be considered chulin. However, says the Mishnah, her kino if he tilted it, so after it dropped three drops, he didn't put chulin oil straight into there, rather he tilted the jug and allowed all of the oil in the jug to gather in one place. So now there's a sort of pool of oil in that jug. Umitsa, it gathered into one pool. So now he has given this oil significance. There's a whole pool of oil in one place, and therefore Haizei Turuma, that oil needs to be treated as Turuma. It is considered significant enough, and therefore you can't just add chulin to it since that oil does need to be treated as trimmer. Alright, and the Mishnah ends off on a different topic, and that is with regards to demai. Demai is produce which is bought from an Amharetz, a person who is ignorant of most halachas, and doesn't necessarily observe all the laws to do with trimmers and maestras. And therefore, if one buys produce from him, that produce is known as demai, and the buyer needs to separate certain tithes from that uh, pile of produce out of doubt, because perhaps the Amharetz did not separate it himself. Now the halacha is that since anybody is allowed to eat my serishan, even though it goes to a levy, anybody's allowed to eat it if the levy gives it to them. So although one who buys the mine needs to separate my serishan, he does not need to give it to the levy. However, trimmer, since a non-kohen is never allowed to eat trimmer, so as well as just separating the trimmer, that would need to be given to a kohen. Now there's a slight problem, because within my serishan, when a levy receives my serishan, he has to separate a tenth of that and give it to a kohen as trimmer's meiser. And only a kohen can eat trimmer's meiser. So it's all very nice that you're not going to give Mycerician to the Levi because anybody can eat it. But what about the Trimus Mycer which is within the Mycerician? That, of course, you do need to give to a Kohen. So the buyer would give the Trimus Mycer to the Kohen. It does not need to go via the Levi because the Levi is not receiving the Mycerician. Rather, the person who has this to my produce will give a one hundredth of that produce because a tenth would be Mycerician and a tenth of that would be Trimus Mycer. So he, give a, he gives an a hundredth of the produce to a Kohen. But the Mishnah wants to know, How much Trumas Maisa of Demai does one need to have that he needs to give it to a Kohen? Does he need to give it to a Kohen as soon as he has any Trumas Maisa of Demai? So every single time he buys from an Amharetz, he'll need to go and bother himself and find a Kohen? Or do we say that only once it's gathered enough of it, then he needs to give it to a Kohen? So the answer is that once he has Echod Meshemelo Lashaminis, one-eighth of an eighth of a loig, one sixty-fourth of a loig, which is the same as a kurtov, that's the name for a sixty-fourth of a loig, that is considered a significant enough amount that we're going to force the man to go and find the coin and give him that trimus meiser. But if he has less than that, then he does not need to bother to find a coin every single time. Rather, once he's gathered enough of it, then he needs to give the oil, which is at least a kurtov worth, to a coin. Now the truth is, the Yerushalmi explains that in general you do actually have to give any amount of Trumas Meiser to a coin. You can't just leave it with your own house and wait till there's enough and then give it to a coin. You owe it to the coin, so you have to give it to him straight away. The case under discussion is where the Trumas Meiser is Tome, because in that case the coin has to burn it anyway, so he's not desperate to get it. So in that case you can wait a bit longer until you've got a Krutov at least of Trumas Meiser, and then you can give that Tome Trumas Meiser to a coin.